The first reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25, which you can find in a church Bible on page 5. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the fields and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they, will be, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is going to be taken from the book of Matthew, and you can turn to page 986 in the Church Bibles. We're going to be Matthew chapter 19, reading 1 through 12. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea, the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, and marries another woman, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, 
Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men, and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this then should accept it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks for that. Um, Dave, I'm going to give you this book, and then you can, rather than be Parkinson, you can pretend to be Michael Aspel. This is your life. Um, well, good morning, everyone. Um, if we haven't met yet, my name's Johnny, and I'm the curate, one of the, the leadership team here at Emmanuel. Um, and it's my privilege um, to be able to help us grapple with Genesis 2. A nice, simple, easy passage, isn't it? I bet you're all thinking, I'm glad I'm not him, um, for, for many reasons, probably. Um, and uh, I just think, I think it's really important to say from the outset that this passage is, is complex and it will no doubt raise um, various different things for us, inside us. Um, and it's a huge, hugely sensitive area. And so there'll be people in this room, I'm sure, who will have relational pain and hurt because of maybe stuff that's happened through relationships, through marriage, perhaps. Um, and I'm going to do my very best this morning to, to handle it really sensitively um, and as gently and as compassionately as possible, but yet help us really understand the, the truth of what God's trying to communicate um, through marriage. And my encouragement to you is if, you, if you're not married or you've been divorced or you're, or you're, you're a widow, then let's not switch off because I think God has got something for you this morning. God has got stuff to say about relationships that I think is hugely important for us um, as his church. And we'll touch a little bit on singleness, but in the next few weeks, uh, we're gonna be touching on that a lot more. And so I'm gonna probably focus most of the time on marriage, but I think it's got a lot to say for all of us. Um, so in light of that, um, let me pray. Father, thank you um, for your word and thank you for the truth that lies within it. But Lord, thank you that you know our hearts and you know what's going on for us. And we pray that by your spirit, you would speak to us tenderly this morning, that you would, that you would be present with us, that you would be ministering to our hearts. Thank you for the gift of marriage and I pray that we would, um, that we would celebrate it, but celebrate it appropriately. I pray you'd speak to us today, we pray. Amen. Well, a few months ago, um, the kids and I have been doing loads of jigsaws. Um, I think I've done about 100 different jigsaws in the last couple of months. Um, but I decided to get my very own jigsaw, um, a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle um, of New York. Katie and I went there uh, a few years back, and I thought, what better way to kind of remember some of the, the good times there than build a jigsaw uh, to relax. And it was a, it's a beautiful skyline. I don't know if you've ever been. And I thought, that would be great. Bit of a jigsaw, a nice easy way to relax um, rather than watching TV. And I don't know if you found it, but maybe you've, you've begun to do a jigsaw and there's a piece missing. So infuriating. You think you're nearly there and there's a piece missing. It's incomplete, right? And you kind of want to fix it, but you can't go and, and get a bit from another jigsaw and kind of shoehorn it in, can you? It just doesn't work, it doesn't fit the puzzle, nor does it complete the picture that is on the front of the box. 
It doesn't make sense for me to get one of the kids jigsaws with an elephant trunk and stick it um, and replace one of the, the skyscrapers of New York. And often the journey's fun in the jigsaw, but really what we're, we're after is the end bit, right? We're after the picture being completed. We want to sit back and go, ah, New York in all its glory. I remember that. That was great. Um, and our passage today, I think, is a little bit, that kind of tells us marriage is a bit like a jigsaw. Um, it's been made by someone else. It takes a lot of work, time, and effort. It needs the right pieces to fit together. It brings joy, some of the time, most of the time. And <laughs> stop it. Um, and it paints a beautiful picture of something greater. Um, now, also, I forgot to say that I am certainly no expert in this um, field. I, I am married, um, but if you chat to Katie, she'll tell you um, it's not always that easy. Um, and I'm sure all of us are ex experienced times of difficulty in marriage, but we recognize that it points to something greater. It's not just about our, our marriage, but it's an illustration of something bigger. And I think the big idea from Genesis 2 is that God designed marriage to meet our needs for companionship and to provide an illustration of our relationship with him. I think that's the big idea. So if you don't listen to anything else I say, go home with that. Hopefully you will listen and you're not sleeping yet. Um, but I think throughout the creation narrative that we read, God surveys all that he's made and it's good. He's happy with it. And, uh, but in Genesis 2.18, if you have your Bibles open, keep them open and refer to it because it's helpful so you know I'm just not making this up. But Genesis 2.18 says, it's not good for man to be alone. Think about it. Here is the first human being living in perfect relationship with God in an incredibly abundant garden in a beautiful world. Was the relationship that he had with God not sufficient? To fulfill him? Well, according to God himself, the answer is no. God acknowledges that not only do we need relationship with him, but we need a lifelong human companion to, to correspond to one another. After all, God existed as rela in relationship God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit before humankind was made. And so we need relationship with other people. Of course, it doesn't mean that we all need to be married, but it shows that we are wired for relationship. We're made for connection with both God and other people. And, and so if, if we're single, we can, we can find companionship and relationship and deep friendships with other people. And, and marriage itself might not always meet the relational needs 100%. It's why we still have friends. But having said that, God's primary reason, I think, for designing marriage was to meet our deep need for companionship and connection. And so God deals with man's aloneness. And for the man to fulfill his vocation to work and to steward God, God's good creation, to enjoy it and experience it for all it's worth, God made Adam a suitable helper. That's how God describes it. He can't do life on his own. And the word helper, I think, has been really misunderstood over time. Um, it's, it's often been misinterpreted as the woman being created 
to, to serve Adam's needs. And that's not how it's painted because the same word helper used here is the same word that is used of God later on in, in, in the Bible. And so God is in no way um, in need of other people or subservient or anything like that. And so it's in no way demeaning the word helper. It's a really positive word. And the point is that Adam needed a partner. And so God created the woman to, to enable Adam to fulfill his role. And so together, as a pair, they fulfilled the mandate that God had given them. And so it's important to note that Adam and Eve are equal in value. There's absolutely nothing here that suggests that blokes are superior to women. Absolutely not at all. And God has given equal dignity to both sexes. And I think that ought to be reflected in how we relate to one another. But God made the woman to be suitable. That's a really key word, literally meaning corresponding to the man. She's comparable, but not the same. We're wired differently. And the picture is that the, the, the woman that is made by God, Eve, who we now know her name, is the missing piece of the jigsaw that's now complete. And the suitability is in her difference. If God wanted to make uh, another human for companionship and to create the mandate that he'd given to go and steward the world and work it and rest, then why not create a replica of Adam? Why not just make a duplicate? Well, God recognized that the companion needed to be someone different in design and purpose. God designed it so that both man and woman would mutually need each other and help each other to flourish. And so God made Adam out of the dust, right? Remember Genesis 2, 7, we looked at that recently. But why didn't he make Eve out of the dust? Why did he choose to make Eve from Adam himself? Well, I believe that this passage says that God wanted him to see that she was equal to him, that she was part of him. Not a lower creation, but that he was to cherish her and to value her. And as often been observed, she was not taken out of Adam's head to rule over him. She was not taken from his feet that he should put her down, but she was taken from his side that he would protect her and keep her close to his heart. And why didn't God create Adam and Eve at the same time? Well, before God created Eve, um, he asked Adam to name all the animals as part of his uh, reigning and ruling over creation. Imagine, <laughs> just imagine that role for a moment, right? You've just got all these animals in front of you. You're at this effectively like a, a, a wild zoo sort of thing. And um, you're staring at this giant elephant that you've never seen before. And you're like, what even is that? How am I going to, what shall I call that? Um, and I looked up some, some of the most unique names of animals as I was preparing this, and I came across that there's a fried egg jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, seriously, and a screaming hairy armadillo. They're like real names. And I was like, I'm, maybe Adam didn't do those ones. Maybe they're like more modern. Um, <laughs> could you imagine? It's like, it's like a bad version of catchphrase, isn't it? Like, Adam, say what you see, say what you see. Um, <laughs> And he's like, hmm, duckbill platypus, baby. Um, it's good, but it's not right. Um, I think it would just be, it would have been a great, it would have been a great moment just to be there, I think. 
But I think God was, rather than just having a, a bit of fun with Adam, I think God was trying to help him understand something much greater. So by naming the animals, Adam recognized that for the majority of them, there was a, there was a, there was a male and there was a female and there was a purpose to it. And so he got to the end of naming the animals. He's like, oh, finally, there's like a million of these things. Um, and he got there and he thought, hmm, whereas I don't have anyone else. They, they, they're, they're generally in pairs. I need someone else. And we read in verse 20, but for Adam, there was no, not found a suitable, suitable helper for him. And I think God first made Adam recognize his need for a wife. Of course, a dog can be man's best friend, but it isn't enough to fully satisfy Adam's need for intimate companionship. That was Eve's job. And it might be that God's called you to singleness for a reason, so that you can invest in other close relationships and serve his kingdom in a particular way. And maybe God's using the, wait, the waiting. Perhaps the waiting that as you potentially find someone later in life that you can um, be in relationship with, God's going to use that really positively in the same way that he did for Adam. But it must be said that being single can be as much as a fulfilling life as it can be married just in a different way. And I think the creation of Eve is often described as God having fashioned a woman from Adam's rib where God carefully designed and made another person to meet Adam's needs. And we read about the first anesthetic that happened um, in the history of the world where Adam was put to sleep, undergone a bit of minor surgery. And then when he woke up, God brought Eve to him. Now imagine he's, he's been lying down under general, not general, just anesthetic or whatever. I, know, I need a medic here, don't we? Um, and uh, he's just woke up and there's Eve. First time he's ever seen a human being. And he's like, whoa, wow. Who, who, who's that? God, we need, we need to have a bit, of, bit, of a bit of a conversation. And so he's, he's thinking, what are you? What do I say to her? What do I say to this woman? She's, God, what do I say? Help, help me, please. And God's like, just talk to her. This is what you've been waiting for. Tell her how she amazing she is. And she's so like, got that. Okay, let's go. How you doing? <laughs> um, or something along those lines. Um, and God and, and, and Eve's and Eve's sitting there thinking, seriously, is this it? Is it is that the is that the guy I have to spend the rest of my life with? Is that the Lord, is that the best you could do? Um, but Adam's response, I think, is well, pro, I was gonna say probably wasn't that. I, I guarantee it wasn't that, because his response we read about in scripture, um, his response is it's a yes. He is absolutely thrilled. He's relieved and he's delighted. Now at last, he says, and God brought this gift to meet his deepest need. Here they were fulfilled. And verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and he's united with his wife and they become one flesh. I just want to touch on four little quick things um, about marriage that are key about marriage that I think we, we get from this passage. I think God has carefully woven into the fabric of that union 
one, that it must be, marriage must be a primary relationship. God didn't give Adam parents, did he? He didn't give him children straight away, but he gave him a wife. And a man leaves his mom and dad and cleaves to his wife, we read, and they establish a relationship. And of course, we still maintain really healthy relationship with our parents if we get married, but we need to have the emotional maturity to break away from our dependence on them, don't we? And if we have children, then we're trying to release them to be their own independent people in the future. And I think if we are married and we have, have kids as well, we must be careful not to build a marriage on them. The priority is building a deep relationship with our spouse. And out of that overflow, we can love and raise our kids well in a healthy environment. And so I think for the, for the if you've got young kids or any kids, whatever age they are, the most loving thing that you can do for them is to love your spouse well. Care for them and they'll see it. They'll see it in you. They will know that if you're a husband, that you love your wife, that you love their mom well. And we don't always get that right. And there's grace for you this morning. There's grace for us this morning, all of us, even when we don't get it right in life. And I know that for many couples, and statistically, there will be people in this room who not having children is a really painful experience. And I've walked with many friends who have journeyed that experience, and it's incredibly difficult. But know that your marriage is as valuable as it is with kids, and it is full of purpose. And if it raises questions in you, if, if you're going through that at the moment, longing for children and it, it's just, it's not happening. Then do chat about it, do talk to someone about it, talk to a trusted friend, speak to Tom or I, or Rupert or any of the clergy team or any of the prayer team, they'd love to pray with you after. Um, but God sees you and there's hope in that situation. Secondly, marriage must be permanent. Um, your spouse is designed for life. You're to hold them till death do us part. Remember, you might have said those words. And the commitment is for the long haul. We read in, 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 Ma, in the Matthew passage about letting no man separate. We've got us joined together. And of course, there's legitimate reasons in, in scripture where a marriage covenant ends. But we wanna do everything to, to keep it together where possible. That's God's plan that we keep that covenant commitment to our spouse even when the romance is gone even when you stop buying your wife flowers don't do that or even when whenever we 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 show acts of love towards our other half and that dries up the romance is gone it's tough they're really irritating um they get on your nerves they leave crumbs in the butter yeah things like that um it's a commitment that God has given us. And I also want to, as I prepared this, there was lots of different pastoral things that just came to my mind. And one thing that we just never really talk about in church, and I'm going to bring it up to the surface um, this morning, is in marriages, and statistically it will be happening in this church, and don't think because you're, we're, a lot of us are Christians in here that it doesn't happen. Marriages, statistically in this country, there's a lot of domestic abuse that goes on behind closed doors, 
whether it's physical, psychological, or emotional. And can I just say that if that's happening at home, that's never okay. Whatever the circumstances, it's just not okay. And if you're experiencing it and you're scared to talk about it, my encouragement would be find someone. There, is, there are helplines, there are people. You, you do have friends and there is a safe place to be. And so if that's going on at home, whether you're male or female, then my encouragement for you is that there is a way out of it and we can do things to support you to help, help that. But just because we're in leafy Surrey doesn't mean it's not going on. And so my third point, marriage is exclusive. United to his wife, not wives. God designed one man, one woman for life. That's how God has designed marriage. Not my thoughts, but God's thoughts. And he thought the best thing was that they committed to one another. And so my encouragement for you is to, to not let other relationships get in the way. Of course, have friends, spend time with people you know who are single, get them into your life. and Have them um, as part of your family and vice versa. But your spouse is your priority. And lastly, marriage is a place for intimacy that God has designed. Um, I think this passage helps us recognize that God is not opposed to the enjoyment of sex within marriage, but rather celebrates it as his good gift and design. And I think we're, we're, we're not great at talking about it either. Um, we're constantly bombarded by the world that God is restricting our enjoyment of sex rather because he, he wants to poop the party. But rather, I think God values it so highly that he wants us to enjoy it in a safe and committed place. And becoming one flesh, this, this phrase that we read, is more than just a physical connection. It's a relational, it's a spiritual, it's an emotional connection. And when we remove sex from the marriage commitment, it never brings the satisfaction that God designed it for, but only a superficial sense of closeness. And here we read about Adam and Eve being naked in the garden, not just physically, but in every way. God saw them in all their humanity and knew everything about them and they felt no shame. There was nothing to hide. Imagine that, no masks. God sees you as you are. And we'll explore next week uh, how when as, human, as we as humans sin and reject God's design for our lives, we end up feeling shame and it impacts our relationship for intimacy, both with God and with each other. It all goes wrong when we make life about ourselves. And God didn't make marriage just to be about ourselves, but rather to give this gift to meet our deep needs for connection and to be a picture of our relationship with him. And so I'm coming to end. Marriage is this beautiful illustration, I think. This picture of the relationship that exists between Christ, uh, he being the bridegroom and the church, his bride. And it's a picture of a loving relationship, this companionship which meets our deepest need. It's a picture of a lifelong commitment of intimacy and of a value in us above everyone else. And a husband and wife are united as one flesh, we read. We are also united to Christ and are one when we put our trust in him. And just as Christ loves the church, loves you and I, 
loves us as a, as a body. We're to love one another in a way that mirrors Christ's love. And so when we when put together the pieces of God's marriage jigsaw illustrate a, a, a much greater picture, a beautiful picture, I think, which sometimes we don't fully get because we live in a broken world. But I think we need to celebrate it in a, in a healthy way that, that lifts up marriage as a picture of the gospel, but also recognizes the value of singleness and the way in which it too illustrates God's love in a slightly different way. And in a world where marriage is being undermined, let us as God's people champion it appropriately, as I think God has given us this gift to meet our deep need for companionship. So let me pray. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? Maybe you'd just like to to close your eyes. Maybe you'd like to to receive from God this morning. I have no doubt that that may have raised some, some stuff for you. It might have opened up some wounds. It might have brought back some memories, both good or bad. And God wants to meet you where you're at this morning. He wants to to speak to you in that. And so perhaps if you, you want to receive from him, you might want to put your hands out, you might want to do something that, a physical response to something going on within, you might want to just receive from the Lord. And so I'm just going to pray and leave a moment of silence for you to meet with, with Jesus. And so Father, we, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this beautiful picture that you give us as a gift Sorry that we struggle so much to, to make the jigsaw look like the picture you created it to be. We pray that you would help us to, to love one another, to love our spouse, to love our friends, to love the people around us as you have loved us. I pray you would meet with us Pour out your spirit. Holy Spirit, come and meet. Would you heal the brokenhearted this morning? Would you bring freedom? Would you bring joy in marriages that are struggling? Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. And in this moment of silence, would you just bring healing to the broken, we pray.